0: If I don't know you, my name is Sean. i the lead pastor here, the teaching pastor. You uh, see me uh, for the most part uh, here on Sunday mornings along with some of the other elders and the other pastors. But um, if you're new, honestly, welcome. Redemption Church is one church, nine different congregations throughout the state of Arizona. Uh, we have very deep convictions as to why we do things the way that we do them. And uh, you might have questions about that. Myself and the other elders and leaders will be at the Connect Desk or walking around. Feel free to ask us, honestly, if you have any questions. Um, I will say this to you, Uh, we believe the best way to understand the Bible is chapter by chapter, verse by verse, teaching exegetically. Uh, We're in a series right now called Love Walked Among Us, which is about the person of Jesus. As we look at the Gospels, we're studying who he is, uh, his humanity, that God uh, became man and is the perfect human and is worth following. And uh, he's worth looking at and and examining how he loved people. And so we've been doing that. This morning, we're going to stop because um, we're going to talk about something that we've kind of low key have celebrated this time of year, but have never been really good at explaining it. And because there's such a mixture in our culture of people who love spirituality and people who are stuck in religion and, and uh, legalism, we thought it would be good to address and, and talk about kind of what we're going to do in this season. And so uh, that's, that's what we're gonna do this morning, a little bit different. Uh, I'm gonna spend about 25, 30 minutes with you guys. I'm gonna ask Josh to come up and we're gonna talk about some corporate responses And all that stuff. So the season that we are in is called Lent, okay? Now, let me just give you a quick uh, background. I'm gonna try to stay close to my notes because there's a lot of history in this and I don't wanna get uh, bogged down too much. But here's uh, what I'll kind of start with. We, at the end of last year, spent five weeks on something called the five solas. It was the five things that we got out of what was called the Protestant Reformation. Now, the Protestant Reformation is, just to be clear, um, us, as Protestants, broke off from what we would classify as Catholics. Now, the reason that can become pretty tricky is uh, before the Protestant Reformation, everybody was Catholic. So our history pre-1500s is the same history as what we classify as the Catholic. We were all Catholics in our history at that point, okay? Now, there's a lot of um, mess that's involved and all that, that that entails, involved with the churches and the popes and all that stuff, I get it. Uh, And so because of that, what we have to do many, many times is use discernment when we look back on someone or we look back on something and we have to begin to ask, is that tradition right? Is that statement right? Was that person right? So we can quote guys like Origen who are super strong in certain areas, very early church father. But then in other areas, you go, wow, that guy was crazy. Okay, this is even true of Augustine. Uh, And as time moves on, you begin to see some of the legalistic, um, I guess. Virus of, of what we know is the bad parts of Catholicism begin to enter in. And as time goes on, we saw some, some really, really rough patches within our own history because again, free Protestant reformation, that's all of us. And so um, we wanna begin to ask this question about the church calendar because the reality is, you may not know this and, and, and we live in a culture that doesn't tie ourselves to history really well, but man, here's the deal. Our brothers and sisters have been celebrating things for a long time, and so what we have is we have new forms of Christianity that are poppy and cool, and we sing and write these new songs that tend to be poppy and cool, and we put them on radio stations that sound terrible and it 's just all this and what we have is what we have is we want to make and do all these new things, and we almost want to forego that our brothers and sisters have been just trailblazing I mean just trudging away monotonously we would almost classify it being faithful in the same direction over and over and over again and so we want to ask the question what does it mean to look at the church calendar how our brothers and sisters have celebrated the church uh, history and celebrated the Bible and the story of God really really well now one thing that we do every year that you're probably familiar with is the season of Advent the four weeks before Christmas that is on the church calendar it's the season the, the Sunday between Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas, we celebrate it every year. We talk through why, we have our candles, the, the whole deal. We're not as familiar with the season of Lent. So, let me start by this uh, with this. I know some of you guys grew up in different ways. I'm gonna give you a very two minute, quick, brief history on what Lent is and what it's all about. And then I'm going to talk about some ways that uh, we feel like are important, some things to understand. We're going to look at that verse in Psalm 139 uh, to, to, to get up the whole deal. So if you've heard the term Lent before, it comes from the word Lenten, which just means lengthen in Latin. Uh, it, it's... Because, and it sounds oversimplified, but in the the springtime of our year, our days begin to lengthen, right? So the winter from sunrise to sunset, the shorter summer in the northern hemisphere, uh, sunrise to sunset, they begin to get longer. So it just means lengthen. We don't know a lot of origin uh, reasons for the origins of um, Lent outside of very early on. Um, Some of our church history would would even say that... uh, The apostles or early church people who were around when the apostles celebrated it and it would tend to be tied to baptism. Okay, But it wasn't called Lent at the time, meaning what would happen is the church very early would have baptisms on Easter Sunday, which we're going to do. We'll talk about here in a little bit. And they would have a 40 day period leading up to that time. And eventually, all we know is around 325, it was classified for the whole church to celebrate this time. We know this because the Council of Nicaea talks about the Lenten period, the Lenten time. Now, the traditions that are involved in Lent, which you, if you grew up Catholic, you're all too familiar with. Honestly, were, were different where you were. It's the 40 days um, leading up to Easter. But those 40 days could differ a little bit because it's, um, it's excluding Sundays Uh, which means counting weekdays and weekends, how you do that. So there'd be fasting, for example, uh, for the uh, Greek Orthodox, there'd be fasting only on the weekends. For Roman Catholics, it would be fasting only during the weekdays. Uh, Honestly, a lot of the practices were specific even to Rome and to Greece. It's just kind of a whole deal. That's kind of how it started. Now, as it grew and began to grow, there's all kinds of, we like it, we don't like it, we don't know what to do with it. So here's what I'm going to do for you to start this time. I wanna give you some terms that you might have heard of that are gonna be important for you to know in this season of Lent. Whether you like them or not, these are some terms for you to be familiar with, okay? Uh, I better stick to my notes. I'm gonna get us off here, okay? So the first term is Ash Wednesday. Leading up and starting uh, Lent is the, the term Ash Wednesday. This is, this is what's going to happen this Wednesday. You're gonna walk into a coffee shop. You're gonna walk in somewhere for dinner or you're gonna go to work and you're gonna see people with a black cross on their forehead. Now, if you're like me, knowing nothing about church history, about seven years ago, Candace and I are sitting at Outback Steakhouse, someone walks in, and I legit thought to myself, that guy's a Satan worshiper, okay? Okay? <laughs> Completely the opposite, but I went there. Black cross on his head. I was like, okay, awesome. So I'm like thinking of how I can evangelize to him. Uh, anyway, okay. Now, that starts the Lenten period. That starts the 40 days, again, excluding Sundays, leading up to Easter, and um, it leads all the way up to the Sunday before Easter. Oh, do we have terms. Oh, yes. Um, I saw the reflection in the glass. Okay. It leads up into something called Holy Week, okay? Which is the Sunday before Easter. During Holy Week, we start with Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is a celebration of the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem on the donkey. It's celebrated. in A lot of churches they are going to have palm leaves up on the stage and all that. Even traditional, very high-end churches are going to have uh, uh, palm leaves up. But now what's interesting is this year on Palm Sunday, as they have done for every year for literally thousands of years, when Palm Sunday is done, they're going to take the palm leaves. They're going to burn them. They're going to make them into ashes. And they are going, that's the ashes they use for the following Ash Wednesday. OK, so they keep those ashes all year. That's something for you to be aware of uh, during the Holy Week period. Um, we have three uh, uh, dates that you need to be aware of. Thursday is going to commemorate this feast, the last meal with uh, Jesus. So if you grew up again in Catholic church or a traditional church, you probably had some type of like potluck. Everyone get together. We're going to eat together. Friday is uh, commemorating uh, Jesus's crucifixion, which is our good Friday. Uh, we, we will have a service in here. Again, we'll talk about some details about that later. It's dark. It's meant to uh, sober us up, kind of jostle us out of our comfort and realize what happened. And then finally, of course, there's Easter Sunday, which is celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. So these are some, some maybe that you're familiar with and, and all that stuff, and maybe you're not, it is what it is, I'm not sure what to do with it. But here's a question that I, I would ask and I think is worth asking. Um, if we're to wrestle with tradition and history, should we celebrate Lent, right? This is a question. We are Protestants. We broke off from Catholicism. This tradition has been talked about. I mean, so check this out. Calvin is absolutely anti-Lent. But Martin Luther celebrated Lent, okay? And so what we have to do is begin to ask, should we celebrate Lent? How how do we wrestle with this? Um, And here's what I'm gonna say. If Lent, if asking the question, should we celebrate Lent? If by should, we mean we have to celebrate it. If we're we're doing something wrong, if if we don't celebrate it, then no, we should not celebrate Lent. Okay. Absolutely not. And I would argue, so I got my master's in missional theology. I would argue Calvin's missional context is the reason he did not like Lent. Meaning, um, he's talking to a lot of people who are coming out of Catholicism and Lent. If you grew up Catholic, maybe your parents are like this. Maybe you were like this. Maybe your friends are like this. Lent is superstition. It's legalism. It's have-dos. It's questions like this. What are you giving up for Lent? And it's not tied to anything, honestly. And so asking the question, uh, should should we celebrate lens? Um, Our missional context tends to be this. And this is absolutely true, but I would argue probably 95% of the room fall in these two categories. If you grew up in church, you either grew up in a church that never talked about sin. hear this all the time. I just love that you yell about sin. Bizarre, but great. Okay. We talk about sin. So you grew up in a church that was seeker-sensitive, free grace, never talked about sin, or the opposite. You got saved or grew up into a very legalistic church that made you felt like you had to. There was a lot of... And so both of these categories, what happened was you never learned to allow, as Titus 2 tells, tells us, grace to train you. In Titus 2, we're told that grace comes along and trains us to forego ungodliness, in all these ways, we can we can recognize grace has come upon us. We are accepted by Jesus Christ. And because of that, grace is training you. There's something to this. There's a response to this. Matthew 7 uses the language of fruit. That, that you're going to stand before Jesus one day. And if you didn't show this right, fruit, you're calling yourself an orange tree. But you got a lot of lemons. That doesn't make sense. And so, so grace trains us both categories our missional context is we live in a culture that that sees christianity in either of these i can do whatever i want or i grew up in a have to type culture and if you're seeing let through either one of these you're, you're going to miss it so um here's what i want to do i want to look at psalm 139 for us and here's as we process psalm 139 if you haven't turned there you can do that now um it's it's important uh to process this because i want to read this that's Some of the celebrating the calendar stuff is goofy, but can I just say this? You and I are already doing that, to be honest with you. Let me just step kind of just like pastorally put this in front of you. What the season of Lent has done for our brothers and sisters today is this. You're going to navigate your family, your fun, your your free time, you're gonna navigate all these things around spring break, around spring training, around March Madness, around Valentine's Day, You are choosing to rearrange your calendar according to these things. Lent says, if you're going to do that, the resurrection of Jesus Christ should be on the calendar. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, how do you prepare for these moments? And that's what Lent is trying to do, okay? Trying to, to get us there. And if I can say this, because um, I, I want to make sure that we're clear before I said I'm going to go to the text, but I want to make sure uh, we understand what we're doing. We're doing three clear things during the season of Lent. And I'm going to unpack these. The first thing is we lament the brokenness of the world. The season of Lent is meant to be Jesus's last period on earth. It's, it's dreary. It's, it feels down. He's going to the cross. And so we lament the brokenness of the world. The second thing that we do is we examine the brokenness in ourselves. We're intentional in examining the brokenness in ourselves, And lastly, we practice our death with Christ. One of the best statements I heard from a commentary uh, talking about Lent. I read a book on Lent this week. It said this, Lent is a time that offers us an opportunity to come to terms with the human condition we spend the rest of the year running from. So we're going to go, listen, here's the brokenness of the world. I'm going to inebriate myself with comfort. We do this just, we don't even have to think about it. So I'm going to be intentional and going, no, I do that. No, I'm going to set aside this time intentionally. Now, the goal is that we would do this all year long, but there's a kickstarting that we're going to talk about that I think is appropriate as well. So Psalm 139 verses uh, 23 and 24. Here's what I'm going to say about this psalm. I would like, if you could, if you're not there already, um, if you, man, if you're like a writer, put this up somewhere, let this be our Lenten text. For the next 40 days, again, minus Sundays. Leading up to Easter, let this be, as a congregation, our Lenten text, okay? It says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So there's four parts to this that we're gonna break down pretty quickly, but here's what I'm gonna say uh, before this, contextually. You most likely have seen this chapter before with a baby bundled up in a blanket, in a basket of yarn. Psalm 139. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Okay. Cute. Cheesy. But cute. Um, and so we have in Psalm 139. This declaration over and over of. This is important. God loves you. This is Psalm 139. This is at the end of Psalm 139. Is the declaration over and over and over. You can't go anywhere. You can't run from me. I Love you. I took care of you. I made you. I'm with you. I mean, he even gives this this crazy position to the heights of heavens, to the depths of Hades. You can't escape my presence. Now, in response to that, there's no uh, imperatives. There's no asks. The psalmist in this moment, David writes, because I'm loved, because I'm accepted, because I know I am yours, I declare before you, Search me. Search me. Dig at me. Prod. And, and I would argue um, that these can be seen as progressive. I don't know for sure. There's no reason to, to. The text doesn't, the original language doesn't lend us that way, but I think it could be argued to be seen progressively. So here's what I mean. The first statement is this Search me, O God, and know my hearts. Because I'm loved, God, because I'm accepted by you, here's the declaration. Is my core right? Is my core right? I mean, this is what Jesus is after, isn't it? When you read the Sermon on the Mount, he's not just after like the looking at a woman with lust. He's after looking at a woman with lust in your hearts. He's after anger in your hearts, greed in your hearts. Why do you fast? Why do you give? When you stand before me, did we have relationship? And so the first ask in knowing that I'm accepted is, is it, is it here Is my heart right? Uh, I I think this uh, statement that one of the commentators uh, said, he says, we know when bad things have a bad place in our life, but it's a hard way to find and figure out when good things have a bad place in our life. So you have this idea, God, I, I wanna love you. I'm aware when I'm sinning, but when there's good things that you have given me, have those good things become ultimate things. I want to I know that. Search that out within me, God. We see this in food. We see this with technology. We see this with relationships. Good things. How do I know? I know when the bad things have a bad place, but it's a lot harder to discern when the good things have a bad place. So search me, God. And in searching me, the declaration, I love this. I'm going to read this. Um, ESV says, try me, but I think the word test me is more appropriate here. Test me and know my thoughts. Um What's interesting is the root word in Hebrew for thoughts is the word where we get word branches from. Um, So, so here's what I mean: the declaration of God, I'm loved and accepted, and because of that, search me out, figure me out, and here's what I want: test my fantasies, test my wants, test my longings. Meaning this in the moment when I've got nothing, I'm laying in bed, or I'm just driving and I'm thinking. In that moment, God, spirit, convict me. What am I fantasizing about? Who am I fantasizing about? What am I thinking about? What do I really, really want? And it is so hard to not watch almost every Disney movie. And all the main characters struggle with this one thing. I think I want this, but actually I want this. And this was just in Wreck-It Ralph 2. I'm ruining the movie, but it is. Just watching this and here's like... But now he's like struggling with, I want this, but, but I really want this. And, and this, is what we find. this is like the, the compass in Pirates of the Caribbean. This, our culture swims in this stuff. And so, so putting before God tests this. I say I want you. I say I want you. But suddenly, when something bad happens, I'm going, God, what's the deal? I thought I was getting everything right. Well, let's see. Let's put your feet to the fire. I want to know, God. I'm accepted. I want to be all in. And then the declaration after that, test me and know my thoughts. I would even add two see, but see if there's any wicked way in me. Um, Any wicked way, I would probably translate any idolatrous way or way of sorrow in Hebrew. See if within me, as you're looking, what ways of darkness exist in me? What ways, though I, I say I love you, I'm following you. There are parts of me that still want this thing. I'm accepted and I want these things to go. Nobody who's a parent wants their kid to be just in front of them good, but behind their back doing all kinds of shady stuff. Nobody wants that. You want honesty. Even if it's messed up, like, and so you're staying before God. Here I am, here's where I stand. I'm broken. Search me, test me, because I have ways of wickedness, ways of sorrow, ways of darkness, ways of idolatry within me. Search those things out. This is his prayer. And then lastly, to to search those ways out of wickedness, sorrow and idolatry. Lead me in the way everlasting. I think what David's trying to do is that wicked way, way everlasting, is flipping these in order to go. There is a way of idolatry that I can follow that sometimes my heart leans towards. But, But can you please lead me in the way that is right? He's holding these two things up against one another. And it's hard to know that. And so his prayer is, God, show me these things. Because here's what we will not do. We are not natural inventory takers. I'm quoting a lot of movies here, but man, we just uh, watched Small Feet or Small Foot or whatever with LeBron James in that movie. And you know the whole <laughs> mantra? Now, Anthony. Uh, the, the whole mantra is if you have a question or a problem, suppress it. What do you do And they all go together? Suppress it, right? So we're not natural inventory takers. We're gonna inebriate our questions uh, with, with social media, we're going to press it down by listening to the talk radio or music. And so we're not natural inventory takers. And what this is, is I want to take inventory. I want to ask the hard questions. And this is David's plea before the Lord. Now, again, this is important. This is on the heels of being accepted. What I would put in front of you for the season of Lent is this is not just David's prayer. The new Testament picks up on this mantra. In James 2, we're told that we serve or are confined to the law of liberty. Do you hear that? Listen now, they're juxtaposition one another. The law of liberty. That there's a law which seems to be boundaries, but this law is free. As believers, we enter into these boundaries that are free. We accept the fact that we are slaves, owned by someone else, Jesus Christ, following someone else, Jesus Christ, not our own ways. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, I beat my body daily, bringing it into subjection. Literally in Greek is, I beat myself, I give myself a black eye. Bizarre, but it is what it is. My body does not control this. My emotions don't control this. I am in love with Jesus. I serve him. And we get the fruit of righteousness. We get self-control. We get ideas of abstinence, so on and so on and so on. This is clear within the Bible. And so in the season of Lent... We want to take a hard look at that. So here's what I want to do um, before I ask Josh to come up. I want to give you um, just a few things that I think are important um, in understanding this idea. A few ways that we can respond as uh, individuals in, in looking at some of this. Because here's, here's the, the crux of it all. Um, Jesus, in his life at this period, starting this Wednesday, if we're to celebrate it at this time, is starting the trek to the cross. And according to Romans 6, we, when we were baptized, we died with Christ. We died. So we were baptized in Christ's death. And so here's what we're going to do. We are going to meditate, think through the brokenness of the world, the brokenness within ourselves, and how we can identify with the death of Christ because resurrection's coming. What the resurrection offers, what happened in the resurrection, who Jesus shows himself to be in the resurrection, there is a victory that let the world party Let the world have, drink, and be merry for tomorrow they got. Let them do what they want. Let them, And and we're going to be in the season that's going to feel like I'm just constantly looking at the brokenness. Because in the end, out of these ashes, Ash Wednesday, out of these ashes, we have the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have something that the world cannot give you. Amidst death, we have life. This is good news. And so... Um, I'm going to, I'm not a good writer, but Josh and John suggested it. I'm going to write a blog, okay? Yeah, I know, here we go, okay? I've never done this before. I'm going to write just a write up on ways that I have personally, and, and people I know, and ways that you can celebrate Lent as an individual, okay? So, um, what's important when it comes to, to thinking through this is foregoing and abstaining from stuff is not natural. So declaring pre-Lent, I love Jesus Christ, and because I love Jesus Christ, I'm walking out the hard road, okay, is the same thing that you're going to declare to your spouse or you already have declared to your spouse. I love you, and there's things that I don't want to do, so I'm going to become a better man, a better woman, I'm going to be a better husband, a better wife, I'm going to cut away things. As we look at Jesus Christ in love, we declare, I'm going to go without. I'm going to look at the good things and say, eh, I love how Piper says it in, in in his book, Hunger for God, which... If you've never read, this would be a year. I read this uh, book every year when I fast uh, during the Lent season. If you don't feel strong for uh, desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk too deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things and there's no room for the great. The reality is... We don't think I can do without. So we we look at bread. We look at social media and we go, these are good things. And I'm saying, yes, they are. You're right. But again, in the same Piper says this, I love this. One more Piper quote. I got it. Bread magnifies Christ in two ways by being eaten with gratitude for his goodness and by, by being forfeited out of hunger for God himself. When we eat, we taste the emblem of our heavenly food, the bread of life. And when we fast, we say, I love the reality above the emblem. In the heart of the saint, both eating and fasting are worship. So here's, here's what I'm going to put in front of you. Take some time this week, leading up to Wednesday, and think through some things that you would go, this is a good thing, but, but maybe for this season, I'm going to forego it, to focus in on Jesus Christ. Josh was telling me it's time to start him coming up, apparently. Um, now come on. It's all right. You want the attention. I get it. Um, so here's, here's some ideas. And I'll put some of these in the blog. For example, uh, once a week leading up to Easter, what if every Wednesday instead of eating lunch, you went to your car and read your Bible? You examine the brokenness of the world. You not just um, forego something. There's three, uh, three A's that I would give you here. One, ask about these things. Ask yourself, is this good thing? Has it become an ultimate thing? Then abstain and then add. Ask. What thing? Abstain maybe from that thing that you should and then add something. So every Wednesday, what if you went to your car instead of eating lunch, you only ate breakfast and dinner, crazy, okay? And you read your Bible. What if, um, according to 1 Corinthians 7, 5, married couples, I'm assuming singles, this already applies to you, you went without sex for a period of time. Maybe a day, maybe a week, maybe a month, maybe not, but a long time, you know, whatever. maybe a week, let's stick with that for now week. Candice is good. First um, <laughs> Corinthians seven, five would say that you can abstain from sex to devote yourself as a married couple to fasting and prayer, to fasting and prayer. Maybe you did that. Um, maybe you only did social media one day a week. Every Saturday you got to do social media. Uh, maybe on your car ride, you plan this ahead and you find the 40 things throughout the week, every week on your, your drive. You don't listen to talk radio, you don't listen to music, and you pray for 40 things that are broken in the world. You prepare now and you go through. These are things that I've tried to do in my life. Maybe you choose to give extra money, maybe to the church, but maybe not. Maybe every weekday you give $5 to that panhandler, you walk by, you drive by, whoever it is. Over the course of that time, you've given 40 times, right? You've given $200, no? 40 something. You've given more money than you would have. Yeah, 200, that's right. I'm smart, okay? So here's, here's what I'm gonna say, Josh, if you're ready. Here's what I would say, the last thing I would say about Lent. Just as athletes drill down to, key, uh, to their key skills, this is a quote from the guy that I read this week. To, uh, sorry, just as athletes need to drill key skills down and musicians need to practice scales, so Christians need to practice self-denial and self-giving love. It's important for us to know that you may ask, well, are we going to get lax after Easter? You're missing the point. That's what, for some of you who grew up Catholic, the religiousness of Lent has become. I'm saying, let's, man, let's restart. This isn't like a new New Year's resolution. This is a going, hey, here's where I'm at with these things. man. it's become an ultimate thing. God, I didn't have enough time to pray. And you're like, you look at your phone and you've got like four hours a day on Facebook. Maybe, just maybe, you don't realize every time you open your phone, you know where your, your thumb, the muscle memory in your thumb knows where to go for that app. And so you go, you know, what? I'm going to do without. It. Maybe that's a good thing. Now, that's as an individual, we, the way that we can respond. Again, I will do my best to write a decent blog. Um, but there are ways that we're going to respond corporately. And these ways are important because um, the church historically has done more of these Uh, Corporate responses than they have just individual responses So I'm going to start with one Let Josh share a few And then uh, I'm going to do one more And then we're going to spend some time praying The first one is this um, Baptism If you're in this room Here's what you can be aware of Um, in In the 300s Constantine was the emperor of Rome Late 300s He becomes a Christian And when he became Christian He made Christianity legal in Rome And this is beautiful, but here's the problem. Um, There was always 40 days uh, that we're celebrating in Lent, but now everyone's becoming a believer. And so the church goes, not only is it legal to become a Christian, it's actually kind of like beneficial. So, how do we know who's really all in? And so, what they did is they took these 40 days of Lent and they went through something, a fancy term called catechisms. They went through catechisms, they taught theology. With the people who are going to be baptized. The people said, hey, I want to be baptized. And the church said, awesome. Let's see if you're the real deal. I think that question is appropriate in our culture. As elders, we think that question is appropriate in our culture. You say you want to follow Jesus Christ. Well, let's see. And so we're going to give you the season of Lent. So here's what I would say. If you've never been baptized, Jesus commands you to be baptized. Tina, she's in this first service. Commands you to be baptized. She'll love the attention. She hates attention. Um, Second service. I'll make sure I say it again. Um, Here's, be baptized. Let us know right away, I want to be baptized. And for the season of Lent, here's what we put in front of you. Think through, ask questions, add things, abstain from things, but come to the elders. As you sign up, we'll get back to you and we'll go, here's some things you can do over the course of this time as you prepare for your baptism. Okay, that's the first thing, is baptisms. Um, there will be a baptism class on uh, April 7th uh, during first service. So if you want to be baptized immediately, there's a link, correct? Yes. Uh, fill out this link. Uh, you fill out all this link and then we'll get back to you, but there's going to be a class with all the information if you want to be baptized. That's one way. If you've already been baptized, pray for those who are going to be baptized on Easter Sunday. Our Easter services, uh, no, I'll not do that. You want to do that? i right here. Um, Let's, let's do our Easter services in a little bit. Uh, never mind. let's do it now. Um, so here's, here's our Easter services to be aware of. We've decided, uh, as opposed to last year, we did one big service. We didn't necessarily like that that much, honestly. Um, so we're gonna do three services in here, all the same. 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11. We'll have childcare. It's a family Sunday because we're doing baptisms. Um, five and under is what we're gonna have childcare for. We want your kids in here. The sermon is not gonna be as long, but again, there's baptisms. We're going to end our time in celebrating the resurrection. But before that, the Friday before Easter on April 19th, we have our Good Friday service. Historically, that service has been packed in here. We're going to do one service again and see if next year if we have to do two services. But we're going to do it one more time. You're going to come in, and it's going to be pitch black. And the band's going to be in the back, and it's going to be... Dark. It's going to be a lot of scripture, and we're going to walk through the passion of Jesus Christ. Okay, so um, there's a card that you have, which I'll explain here in a second as to why with some of those dates. But that's kind of some ways that we're going to celebrate moving towards Easter. But during the season of Easter, there's two other ways that we want to respond: one for you as adults, but one for you if you have kids. So Josh, if you want to walk us through that real quick. Yeah. Okay, so we
1: uh, we had this slide up for the last couple of weeks, but if you go to our website slash Lent, I think we have a slide for that. Um, we have a Lent devotional We used it last year and we're using it again this year um, We've done a few different ones But it's called Scriptures and Sentences And what it is, a daily PDF You can just download the whole thing And view it on your phone on your computer um, And each day it's a simple uh, Text from Scripture Along with a prayer from either A church father or Not a church father, someone dead Is essentially the goal you Read people that are older than you um, To learn So um, Every you'll have that. There's artwork in it, um, different things to meditate on. There's, there's, uh, if you print it out, there's lines for you to write down different things or use it as you pray. Um, that would be a good help for you. And that's on that page there. It's just, That's a short link, but it's our website slash link as well. We'll go to the same, same one. It's in your bulletin too if you've got one on your way. We try to give you lots of ways to find out this stuff. Um, but I see people taking pictures on the phone. So um, that's that. Kids. If you have kids. So there's a there's a group of people called Illustrated Children's Ministry, I think. Oh, summer's playing right in here. Um, and here's what's cool about them. We use them for our Advent time with the coloring pages and we have them for uh, Lent as well. It's Stations of the Cross. Is it not cool that they make Jesus not white on their stuff? Good Lord. Yes.
0: Yes, Josh, awesome. they do. Um,
1: He's, yeah, not blonde or anything. It's great. So, um, if you have your kids checked into Redemption Kids, you'll get one of these uh, in a little white uh, envelope on your way out. And something about coloring with your kids—if if you
0: have kids—yeah, because there's coloring pages for you and your kids. Yeah, grown-up
1: coloring—that's a thing now, and um, it's kid coloring is always going to be. So, color with your kids. You'll be surprised at the type of conversations you can have. The Stations of the Cross. So you can go real gory if you want to color with the older kids, or you can. Make Jesus pink, and, like my little girl do. So, but it's a great opportunity to have conversations. It's good. Yeah.
0: Um, the the last way that we're going to respond corporately is is a little bit interesting. So let me say this. Um, one of the things as a church we realized probably in the first couple years is uh, church planners was was myself and with the elders usually have a I'm not that type of church. So especially young guys when we plant we plant in. I am this type of church, and we're not that type of church. So we plant all the things that we're for, not, we're not for. And one of those things that we realized was money. We plant, you know, where was like, I'm not going to talk about money. Everyone talks about money. And we realized really quickly that was great for the congregation, but we weren't making any disciples in that way, right? So we had to kind of alter and change root route a little bit and go, hey, listen, this is important just because we have baggage, isn't there? Uh, the other thing we're now realizing that's really important is the word evangelism. Um, I don't know if you guys read an article by Christianity Today, uh, but they talked about Barna's uh, research. Uh, under Barna's research, they found that 47% of millennials, and I quote, listen to this, uh, believe this. 47%, it is inappropriate to share their Christian faith with people of a different religion in hopes that they will eventually convert to Christianity. Half of millennials believe it's wrong to evangelize. Okay? So hear me when I say this. We've talked about all of life is all for Jesus. Your vocation matters where you are. Be a light where you are, where you are the church is. We believe that. But that is not, that's, like, like, that's not because this is true, this isn't true. Evangelism matters. Talking to your neighbor, your coworker about Jesus Christ, hear me, when they are a different religion, when they don't believe this, listen, for them to believe it is good news for their soul. Do you understand and so, um, a lot of the baggage, as I was talking about, came with, man, eh, uh, um, cards. I, uh, Candace and I, at the church we go, but we were given these cards, and you had to pass out, and not, when I say had to, like, you were asked, uh, and I was on staff at the time, have you passed out your 10 cards for the week, okay? And so, you had to pass out these cards. So, let me just show you why these uh, things, everything within me, as I look at the card, I get, well, it's a cool artwork and stuff, but I get, like, this visceral reaction, to like, what are we becoming right now? Um, hear me, this is important for you to understand. As we were thinking through as elders, what would be helpful for us during the season of Lent to step out of our comfort zone and do something we don't normally do, to capitalize on this religious culture we still have and invite our neighbors, simply going like this. Here, assume the question, where are you going to church for Easter? Assume that, where are you going? So they go, I don't know, I haven't thought about it, okay? I know I thought this, if I had a card to give somebody in relationship then that would be easier for them, they have something during this time. Let me tell you what these cards are not for. Do not take these cards, walk out of here and put them on a windshield wiper or leave them in the break room or leave them with your tip, okay? That's the opposite of what we want to do. But if you have somebody and you go, man, I wanna invite you uh, to Easter, I have a card that is helpful for you so you could know where it is, when it is, the service times, then take it. If you were given a card, you have one now, if you were or you want more, here's what I'm going to put in front of you. You can take as many as you want. We prefer around three. That's how many we plan for. Um, you can go out here, go to the Connect desk and take them. And on this card, it gives the service times, where it's at, what's provided as far as child care, all that stuff. Okay? So these cards are meant to be just a help, a tool. If you're going, I do not. My friends want nothing to do with a card. Great. Don't throw the card on the ground. At least... Wait till you get to your car before you throw it down. Don't break our hearts like that, okay? Um, so at least take it from there. Would you have anything to that? We're, um, we purchased a uh, back signal that we're going to shine the logo on. This. <laughs> really, yeah, on this yeah. yeah. So here's, here's, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to finish. This is going to tie into our corporate response time, okay? Um, we're going to pray, all right? And um, we're going to spend uh, two waves of prayer. The first wave is this Josh is first going to pray for a season of Lent as individuals that that the Spirit would talk to us during this time, corporately that the Spirit would talk to us during this time, and then I'm gonna give you about a minute of silence. We're just gonna be quiet, okay? As we're quiet, here's what we would love for you to think through. God, begin to plant seeds of what celebrating Lent this year means for me, for my house, for us as a congregation, okay? After that minute's up, then, this is important, we're going to pray for everyone you're thinking about passing those cards out to, or just going, hey, come to Easter. Let me be clear on this, because I feel like I gotta say this, and I know I'm going, listen, I'm not, the, the ask is not necessarily just coming to Redemption Peoria. I hope you know that. I just feel like I just have to explain all these things because my own baggage that I have. It's not about just getting people to come to Redemption Puria. If you say, go to somebody and they say, hey, well actually, I wanna go to this church, and it's a church we trust, and they'll say, they'll go if you go, then you go with them. We just want them to go somewhere to hear the gospel. We believe we preach the gospel at redemption Puria. Okay, done.
1: Therefore, they can come to redemption
0: Puria. Yeah, they, they can, can come, come to redemption Puria. okay? But here's what, we're gonna pray for those people. Now, here's what's interesting. Some of you are in the room right now, and you're going, I don't really believe in Jesus, um, and, or I don't know if I believe in Jesus. Great, um, you don't have to pray. You can just sit quietly. We'd love for you to honor our faith in this moment. Most likely, if your friend brought you, they're probably praying for you, FYI, but it is what it is, okay? okay? But just be aware of that, that's fine. There's no, it's not weird that you're not praying, just sit quietly, and then we're gonna give you, when I'm done praying, another minute of quiet, and then, here's what's gonna happen. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm gonna try to do this uh, as much as I can during our season of Lent, a prayer from a church father. I'm gonna pray a prayer from St. Augustine, okay? And I'll pray this prayer, uh, and then we will done, and we'll be done, and then we'll respond We'll go right into our, our corporate response, okay? So let's take some, some time. Josh, would you, would you lead us?
1: Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for what opportunity this season of Lent affords us. Thank you for what opportunity the gospel affords us, that we can all be in here together and think about how we're going to collectively and individually die in these next 46 days. Mm-hmm. And, and we ask, Lord, that you would help us do that. That We wouldn't just give up necessarily social media or a certain type of food or soda or all those things might be fine, but, but ultimately, Lord, we just want to give up ourselves so that you would uh, replace it with the things of you like humility, <laughs> compassion, patience. Lord, in a world that's so, I'm thinking of, Social media, in particular, right now. So sure whatever reason, God, but the the urge and the invitation and the prodding for for everyone to react to everyone else's outrage with more outrage. Um, God, would you help us uh, have a, a calm spirit? That maybe we just make the decision to be quiet. And Maybe even in that quiet, just spend time with you. It might be the most quiet time of you we've had in our whole life. Um, surely um, that will bear much fruit in our own life. I pray that that would not be something that would just take root in in this little season, but um, it would go well beyond it. That would change our families, that would change our neighborhoods, that would change our co-worker situations, classmates, kids, whatever it may be, because we become more like you and less like us. Um, Holy Spirit, you have to do that because we can't in our own strength. Um, We can probably drop Facebook for 40 days but it's really hard to draw pride. So would you, would you kill it, please? Yes. I just ask that yeah, you just continue to form us and shape us as a body of people here in our of Peoria, that we would encourage one another, maybe in communities as we get together, um, be transparent with one another. Another opportunity the gospel affords us that we don't have to worry about our reputation, um, that we can share with someone what we're struggling or what we're trying to I'll be mindful of this season. Would you help us find people that will um, be in it with us? Thank you that you give us community. the way we do. We love you and praise you.
0: same way that our brothers and sisters have practiced the season of Lent, abstaining starting this Wednesday, as Josh prayed, Um, brothers and sisters were also adamant about sharing the resurrection of Jesus Christ, so we uh, take a moment and ask that you'd be with us as we interact with those who don't know you, whether that be in our neighborhoods or our workplaces, just in family, wherever it is, uh, campus. That you would, um, one, I pray that you give us boldness. Two, you provide clarity. Um, Three, Spirit, we pray that you would give us favor with those we're talking with. Four, I pray that you would give those we're talking with ears to hear, eyes to see, minds to understand, and hearts to believe. That we cannot coerce or talk anyone into this faith. If it's real, if this is a real faith that we have, Jesus, you will do something. Spirit, you will move and you will begin to regenerate people. And even if just the door's cracked open and they're not interested in becoming a Christian but interested in coming to a service, we pray all those things will be true on Easter Sunday. We pray, God, that you would continue to show us how we can proclaim, we can teach, we can talk through the gospel. So now, God, we take a minute just to think through those people in our lives directly, whether it be a neighbor or a coworker, a classmate, whoever it is, That even now, Spirit, you're pressing on us just to talk to about Jesus, to step out of our comfort zone during the season of Lent, to invite to church, whoever it is, take a moment and just pray for these individuals. it was 2,000 years ago. Lord, you command us to ask. Grant us that we may receive what you give. You have told us to seek. Let us be happy in finding. You have bidden us to knock. We pray that you would open. Graciously direct and govern all our thoughts and actions that we may serve you and entirely be devoted in all of ourselves to obeying you. Draw us to yourself, that we may henceforth be yours by obedience and love. For you live and reign forever and ever. And we all say together, amen. amen.